Turn with me, if you will, or just listen. Either way is fine. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word, for every little detail of it, and I pray that you would open our minds uh, to the knowledge of Christ as we learn about him here in this passage, that you would guard my lips, uh, keep them from error, and that you would have already been preparing fertile ground in the hearts of your people in which good seeds might be planted, watered, and grow to maturity. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'll trust that most of you here know the context of this exclamation by Mary, but briefly, she's just been visited by the angel. She's told what a remarkable piece of, well, not just world history, but of course, redemptive history will be manifested in her. And uh, that really makes, I think, this statement, this declaration, this exclamation by Mary all the more remarkable. Uh, we know her as the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is often easy, I think, to make her such a singular, such a unique individual. I mean, nobody else ever like her uh, that we think the words she says are so unique and extraordinary and so different from what we might think or could ever articulate. Uh, indeed, that's actually the part, part of the error of Romanism, uh, the false church that has developed this whole thorough, intricate doctrine of Mary, Marian doctrine, uh, partly based on that little idea that she is different, that she is unique, and they take that to the nth uh, erroneous degree. Well, I'm not here this morning to enter into a detailed refutation of Marian doctrine, but suffice it to say that in her own words, as we read through this, we can see that she declares herself to be a sinner in need of salvation. And that goes against everything the Roman church teaches. That's plainly evident in verses 48, 50, uh, 53, 55, and on. So setting that aside, rather, I want to focus on what I see as a core aspect, really a summary of her declaration, her exclamation here. Uh, I believe it summarizes everything she says. And importantly, that's my key point at the end, it's not just a Mary thing. This key aspect of her exclamation is something that we see elsewhere, as I'll briefly point out in Scripture, and something we need to ponder for ourselves. It's that word in the first line, magnify. Turning again to verse 46, my soul magnifies the Lord. I believe this summarizes and I'll just go through a brief uh, verse by verse here. It summarizes her joy. She says, rejoice in God my Savior, verse 47. Uh, it touches on her humility in the following verse, her humility before who she knows is a great God. That word to magnify God summarizes her knowledge that God is powerful, 
verse 49, that he is faithful, unchanging in his mercy throughout the generations, in verse 50, uh, that she knows him to be the just judge acting against the proud, verse 51. And we could go on through each clause there more and more. Uh, it's that one word that summarizes who she knows herself to be before this great God and who this great God is, to magnify. She magnifies the Lord. That's a simple word, really, not complex. Uh, carries over into the English pretty straightforwardly. It means to make big. And I think we have a very ready example in our own lives. You know, think of the, the child with the magnifying glass being sent out on a little homeschool errand into the backyard. What do they find? I mean, anything really, a stick, a bug, a blade of grass. You put it under that magnifying glass and it becomes bigger, right? You see more detail. You see more detail under the lens of that magnifying glass. And what we learn in that is that Mary here has God made big to her senses. She sees the detail, as it were, you know, more facets of that blade of grass than the naked, that is the natural eye, can see. And again, it's not just Mary who knows this, but I believe this is the enlightenment that God gives to any believer as they're being drawn to him, as they know him more and more. God becomes big. Uh, pagans, he's small, far off, insignificant, not to be dealt with. But to Christians, those learning about Christ, he is big. Uh, so big that they occupy, or should occupy, I would venture to say, their whole lives. Another key example of this word, you can turn with me if you like, or I'll just read, but in Philippians, we see the Apostle Paul speaking of this, and it's translated the same in the New King James, so there's no mystery here. Philippians 1, verses 19 and 20, and this is in the context of Paul speaking of the great challenges, he, challenges he's met in his ministry, uh, tribulations, you know, persecutions, all the physical suffering he's gone through, and he says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. So that phrase there, that Christ would be magnified in my body. That is Paul's desire. Uh, other translations do have it translated there as honored. So I think that's a useful understanding. You know, how do we magnify God in our lives or how is he magnified by Mary there in Luke chapter one? He is honored. Christ would be honored in his life. That's the heart desire of the apostle Paul. Uh, in my body uh, refers to in his person, you know, in his daily life, in what he says, what he does, and he thinks, how he responds to trials, what he shares with people. He wants Christ to be honored in how he lives his life. And importantly, it may result in an untimely death, <laughs> as it was for Paul and other early Christians and even people in our own day, uh, might result in great prosperity, as other faithful Christians have had in their lives. Really, the end might vary, but the progress to that end is the same, that Christ would be magnified. Mary knew that God was being magnified in a very unique way in her life, something never to be repeated. Uh, Paul expressed that God... Christ would be magnified in his life. I believe that's a bit more common way that Christ can be magnified. So then I pose the question to us. Has, is, will be Christ magnified 
in your lives. Something for us to ask ourselves uh, as we come to the table, because really the Lord's table magnifies Christ. A bit of a countercultural way. I believe uh, so much of American culture, which believes in you know, success and conquering and just you know, be all full of yourself and don't admit any weakness, it's very different than what the table proclaims. You know, the common media discussion as we face the uh, presidential primaries or issues with our president currently, it's all about just powering forward and critiquing others and don't admit any wrong and it's all everybody else and I have no wrong, wrong to admit to. That's not how Christ is magnified in the table. His weakness unto death is magnified in the table. His blood poured out for his people is magnified in the table. So I would challenge each of us uh, to think, are our lives magnifying Christ? Are we making ourselves big? I think that's what our common American culture does. It's all about making ourselves big, not admitting any problems or weaknesses. So is that what we are magnifying? Me? or the God of riches, the God of a big house, you know, whatever our culture might tell us. Is that what we are magnifying, or are we magnifying Christ? His good work, His sacrifice unto death, His perfect righteousness that we could never achieve that is given to us by grace. So I pray that in this coming week we would reflect on this declaration by Mary that her soul magnified the Lord, that we see you know, a great man like the Apostle Paul, suffering much for the faith, seeking to have Christ magnified in his life. And I pray that that would be the same for all of us. Christ would be magnified. Not us, not worldly pleasures, but that Christ would be magnified. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, the examples of these other saints who were weak and needy, so much like us, May we not be drawn into the error of thinking that uh, only on our good days do we magnify you, that only in doing a, a good deed are you magnified, but rather in our failings, in the repentance of our sins, you are magnified. For Christ did not go to the cross to save the healthy, but he died there for the sick. And as we confess this before you, O Lord, and look to the blood shed on our behalf, we seek to magnify you and your good work for evil men like us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.